Stories and content in Weird Darkness can be disturbing for some listeners and is intended for mature audiences only. Parental discretion is strongly advised. I started hearing voices through the monitor. Multiple voices. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but they were deep and whispering. It scared me terribly, but I knew I had to go check on the baby. When I got down there, I turned on every light I could find. But before I could turn the light on to the bedroom the baby was in, I saw the baby standing. A baby that wasn't old enough to stand in his crib. He was not looking at me, but rather staring intently and laughing at the rocking chair in the corner. A movement from the chair caught my attention. It was rocking on its own. I'm Darren Marlar. And this is Weird Darkness. Welcome, weirdos. I'm Darren Marlar, and this is a special archive episode of Weird Darkness. Here you'll find stories of the paranormal, supernatural, mysterious, macabre, unsolved, and unexplained. If you have a dark tale for me to tell, you can share it with me at WeirdDarkness.com, and be sure to subscribe if you've not done so already so you don't miss a single episode. And if you already consider yourself an official weirdo, please help me get the word out by sharing a link to this episode in your social media, and thanks in advance for doing so. Now, bolt your doors, lock your windows, turn off your lights, and come with me into the weird darkness. This took place during a normal working day at the office. Our office was busy with meetings, reports, and other paperwork. There I was, sitting at my cubicle finishing some paperwork and rushed reports, when suddenly I heard a low whisper behind me. I turned quickly to where the whisper came from, but all the people in my station at that time were busy finishing their work. I decided that maybe it was one of my co-workers playing a trick on me, so I quickly paid no attention to it and got back to my work. Later, more whispering came from behind me. That time I didn't bother to turn around because in my mind it must be one of my co-workers playing a trick on me. Soon I can hear a continuous whisper from my back. I was getting irritated, that's why I took my laptop and moved to the next table that is just beside mine. I quickly plugged my laptop to the internet and continued my work. But after a few minutes of working, I heard more whispering, and this time it didn't come from my back, but instead it came from under the table where I was working. I pushed my chair so that I could see under my table, but there was no one there. I stood up and asked my coworkers if they were the ones who were creating the noise and if they heard it. They said that they weren't and that they didn't hear anything. I returned to my own table, submitted my report, and went home early that afternoon. Turns out I'm not the only one who experienced that. Some of my co-workers shared their story, and they were more frightening than mine.
Having the gifts of an empath is something I deal with every day, and I deal with seeing spirits once in a while. When I opened my restaurant, I prayed and blessed every wall of that place from top to bottom. I prayed that no evil entity could ever step foot in that shop. When we were open for about two months, it was raining outside very hard. I had looked out across the street and saw a man in a gray coat who was standing in the rain. I couldn't see his face, but when I first glanced over, I thought, why is this guy standing in the rain? I asked one of my co-workers if they could see that guy and they said, what guy? I knew then that this was a negative entity who was mad because they could not step foot in my shop. I knew that this entity was mad and he knew I knew it. All I could do was just glance over and stare at him as he didn't have a face, but I just remember the coat that he was wearing and how big and broad his shoulders were, and he just glared at my shop. But I knew that he could do no harm, and then when I glanced over again, he completely disappeared. It's nice having God on your side. Taking a 12-day vacation in Honolulu, and I'm on my fourth day here, and it's around 10.01 p.m. as of right now. The lamp in the corner consistently flickers on and off, but this I can attribute to the outlets not working that well. The other things I can't explain, though. My family's constantly looking for things that inexplicably disappear and reappear in different places and we're arguing a lot more than we should be on a vacation. Last night, I heard loud, very fast stomping above our room. It always goes from the ceiling above my window and ends in front of my hotel door. The footsteps don't trail off towards a staircase, it sounds like it just goes through the floor and ends up at my door. This happened about two to four times. When I was taking a shower, alone, I heard the front door be forcefully shaken by something, shaken like someone was trying to break it down. It only happened for a couple of seconds and I had to stop my shower and check to make sure it wasn't my family locked out. Nobody was there. Just now, I heard two small thuds against my headboard. Don't really know what to say. I'm a religious person and am easily made anxious. Any explanations? This story happened when my friends and I were traveling through the state of Utah. After having a few drinks at a local bar, we went back to the hotel. I looked at my watch and found that it was already 10 in the evening. My friends are already asleep on a separate bed and all the lights are off except the one coming from the balcony where the light is still on. I felt restless. As a habit, I would grab my phone and started checking Facebook, scrolling down until I get sleepy and doze off. It wasn't long before my sleep was interrupted by a movement in the room. I thought it's one of my friends already awake and preparing for a day of hiking. I found it weird because earlier he set up his phone as an alarm but I hadn't heard the sound. I usually lie 
on my stomach when I sleep. I guess I was too tired that time, so I didn't bother to turn around and have a look. Suddenly, I felt a hand touch my back and thought it was him trying to wake me up. It felt as though the hands seemed bigger and the fingers longer. I turned around and was extremely horrified with what I saw. It wasn't my friend, but a very dark, smoke-like figure with red, fiery eyes. I let out a loud scream. It woke my friends up and immediately they turned the lights on. I look around and see that it was gone. They're both looking at me, worried. Then I told them of what I saw. They thought I was just having nightmares, but I know what I saw. I wasn't dreaming. It was real. Later that day, I found out that the hotel we were staying at was built on a sacred Indian burial ground. Apparently, that hotel has been in and out of business for years and has a reputation for being haunted. We had no idea when we made the booking, but you can never tell when you're going to come face to face with the paranormal. This story has been on my mind for many years. I tried to dismiss it many times, but eventually I got proof of a kind that it's true. I grew up in a large house in Rhode Island that my parents purchased from a married couple who had lived there for many years. I was about seven or eight years old at the time, and like so many young children, I would get scared and run through the house to my parents' bedroom in the middle of the night to sleep with my parents. One night, just as I was about to enter my parents' bedroom, when I saw an apparition of a little girl appear in the doorway of the spare room at the end of the hallway, several feet away from me. The apparition was a faceless, bluish-white vapor in the form of a little girl, maybe three or four years old, and wearing a short dress. She floated to the threshold of the spare room and stopped as if to see who was coming down the hallway. Terrified, I threw myself into my parents' bed and under the covers. Of course, when I told my mother about my experience the next day, she thought I just had a wild imagination and dismissed it. Many years later, when my mother passed away, I was visiting with my father. I was then in my mid-thirties. There were some strange occurrences in the house the night she passed away, and we got into a discussion about ghosts and the afterlife. I told him of my experience of seeing the little girl apparition as a child, and his expression changed and he turned white as a sheet. He told me that the old people he bought the house from had a little girl that passed away in the house from polio. I know I saw her that night. In high school, I babysat a little girl for the family across my street. One New Year's Eve, I was asked to babysit the little girl and about a dozen of her cousins at the grandmother's house late that night as the adults were out partying. When I arrived at the grandmother's house, it was around 10 p.m., and the kids were sprawled out throughout the living room watching Tarzan. Upon arriving, I was told that there was one baby sleeping in a basement bedroom 
The rest of the kids were in the living room. Within minutes, all of the older kids had fallen asleep. The house was quiet and dark around me, and I felt extremely uncomfortable in it. It was an old house, and I kept hearing what sounded like footsteps from the floor above me. I brushed this off, telling myself it was just the house contracting in the cold weather. I went into the basement to check on the baby and immediately felt ill at ease. It was cold and dark down there. I found the baby, around five or six months old, sleeping in a bedroom with a crib and a rocking chair. For the rest of the night, I sat upstairs reading a book. There was a baby monitor that I used to listen for the baby, but it remained silent throughout the night. Around two in the morning, I started hearing voices through the monitor. Multiple voices. I couldn't make out what they were saying, but they were deep and whispering. It scared me terribly, but I knew I had to go check on the baby. When I got down there, I turned on every light I could find, but before I could turn the light on to the bedroom the baby was in, I saw the baby standing, a baby that wasn't old enough to stand, in his crib. He was not looking at me, but rather staring intently and laughing at the rocking chair in the corner. A movement from the chair caught my attention. It was rocking on its own. I left the baby and ran upstairs. I turned the monitor off for the rest of the night and never went back down. I ran out of the house as soon as the parents returned. I never babysat for them again. During the summer of 2010, five of my children were playing outside one afternoon, leaving my second eldest son indoors with me, but he was upstairs. He came downstairs and was visibly shaken and scared. I asked him, what's wrong? He said while he was sat upstairs, he had heard a woman say something to him very close to his ear, but he couldn't make out what the female voice said. It was all very strange. A few months later, my friend came around one night. She'd had a few glasses of wine while I had a soft drink. We had a good laugh and caught up, and she went home at about 11.30 p.m., so I retired to bed. Early that morning, I was woken up abruptly by what sounded like breaking glass from downstairs. I thought someone had broken into my house. When I walked into the kitchen, I saw the two stems of what used to be wine glasses stood perfectly upright while the smashed-off tops of the wine glasses were rolling about on the sink drainer. Really weird. I didn't have a cat or any other pet that could have been to blame. I knew my children were all still asleep in their beds upstairs. I just couldn't find a reason to explain what had just happened and why would the wine glass stems remain upright. I always felt uneasy in this house. I felt like I was being watched. We'd lived in this house for three years and decided to move to a larger house. My husband bought a property and renovated it into a five-bedroom house. We were very excited about having this great new home, and I put all the strange things that happened in our old house behind me. One evening, my husband and I were stood in the kitchen at around 10 in the evening. All our children were asleep in bed, when all of a sudden, 
about a handful of Skittle sweets, Smarties, and about five bucks in small change was thrown at my husband from the 20-foot galley hallway. My husband ran quickly down the galley hallway and then upstairs. He thought it was our children messing about, although we didn't hear any laughing or footsteps running away. It was a three-story house, and my husband ran up the two flights of stairs only to find all of our children fast asleep. A few weeks later, my husband stayed up to watch a movie when he saw what he could only describe as a black mass formation moving down the hall towards the lounge. He just stared at it in shock, and it just faded away a few feet away from him. He wasn't too keen on the house after that incident, so we moved again. And in this next house, we would hear knocking on the windows. Our children have also heard whispering close to their ears in this house, both female and male voices. It's all very weird. I have a lot more I could tell you about our experiences. It seems like we have a spirit who has become attached to us. My husband and I have been living in our current apartment for almost five years. Upon moving in, the maintenance man who was fixing the place up for us told us an old man lived in this apartment for many, many years. He said this man would never clean and his apartment had a thick layer of dust on almost everything. He did not tell us why this man no longer lived here and we didn't pry as it's not our business. But everybody knows what their home smells like. It's a smell that becomes familiar to you, one that you are so used to that any change is noticeable immediately. Every now and again, I will be at home just doing my thing, cleaning or relaxing, whatever. As I move from room to room in our small apartment, I sometimes get a smell that is definitely out of place in our home and is very distinct and noticeable. The smell is like going to my great-grandparents' house when I was a kid, sort of a dusty and musty smell that makes me think of old things and elderly people. I'll only smell this scent in one small area of the home. Taking a few steps away, it goes back to normal. By small area, I don't mean only one particular spot in the apartment, but rather just a small area of whatever room I'm in. The scent doesn't permeate the entire room, more like I'm walking through it for a few steps than it's gone. This never has felt negative or threatening, just strange. I'm debating with myself if it's just random lingering dust smell or if it's something paranormal like the past tenant visiting his home and his scent is the only thing manifested. What do you think? I decided to get away for a week or so during the first week of December, so I headed down to Galveston. I checked in at my usual hotel, got my laptop set up, and then went out to have a bite of dinner. After returning to the hotel, I got all settled in and since darkness had fallen, I decided on a nice quiet evening in my suite. I felt a bit tired from my drive and decided to go to bed early. After about half an hour, I'd finally gotten comfortable. 
Then I felt a drop in the air temperature. I smiled and closed my eyes. From the opposite side of the room, there came a low moan. My eyes snapped open and I sat bolt upright in my bed. The lights were on in an instant. The air still had a slight chill to it. I got dressed and went down to the lobby and asked the girl working at the front desk if I could move to another room. She asked me if there was anything wrong with the room. I told her. She gave me the most flabbergasted look you ever saw. As I finished telling her of my situation, another young woman came out of the back office and heard the tail end of my story. She asked what's the matter. The desk clerk said, the crying ghost is in his room. The hair on the back of my neck stood straight up and it was my turn to be flabbergasted. No one had told me that the hotel was haunted. Last year, I was in my dorm room, and it was the last day before I went home. I awoke to someone calling my name. I called out my roommate's names, and no one answered. I heard my name being called again. I looked at my alarm clock, and it said 5.11 a.m. I looked over at the door, and I saw someone standing there. I sat there staring. Then I heard my name being called again by the person. I said, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. I need to put my glasses on because I can't see you clearly. I put my glasses on and looked at the person, but the person wasn't there anymore. I got so scared that I sat in my bed, shivering for the next two hours until my alarm went off. I told myself, this is your last day. It won't happen again once you go home. I went home and for the next week, I kept waking up at 5.11 a.m. to my name being called. It eventually stopped, and I never heard it again. Walking out, the screen door slammed behind him with a satisfying whack making Bobby smile, knowing just how much his grandmother hated it. Sure enough, not long afterward, there she was, standing in the doorway. He didn't have to look around to know the short, squat-looking woman who usually always had a warm smile for anyone would not have that smile now. Robert Evan Taylor, you know better than to let that screen door slam behind you, she called out after him. He turned and saw a glare and frown on her face just as he pictured. It wouldn't last, though, and he knew it. She loved him too much. All he had to do was flash his smile at her and watch as the hardened face softened. It wasn't in her nature to stay upset. Her usual heartwarming smile quickly reemerged. I'm sorry, Grandma, he said, jumping down the few cement steps to the front sidewalk. Okay, well... Make sure to have your mom call me when you get home. I want to know if she still intends to go garage sailing with me tomorrow, and if so, she better get here early. Bobby knew his grandma could call his mom. No, the reason for him to tell his mom to call was her little subtle way of checking to make sure he got home safely. He was ten. He didn't need them to constantly check up on him. For half the kids in town, their parents never knew where they were 
He was so annoyed that they always kept a watchful eye on him. Okay, he knew why, but it still wasn't fair. It happened over a year ago. They should move on already. He had. I will! Bobby walked toward the end of the sidewalk. He'd turn left and go through what his grandmother called the Fool's Woods. It was a dark spot of town, the little mini forest surrounding the large coal dump. Of course, neither she nor his mother allowed him to go through there, but if he didn't, he would have to walk downtown and get harassed by the older kids who hung out up there. The coal dump path was a straight shot home. It was stupid to go around it every night. Bobby, where's your bike? He turned back toward his grandmother. Yeah, he wasn't happy he didn't have his bike either. He didn't want to tell her he had bent the rim yesterday by jumping off one of the little cliffs around the coal dump. Well, he hadn't bent it by jumping off, it had been the landing. He had gotten some really good speed, so much so he realized he was going too fast. His survival instinct kicked in and he had bailed off his bike right before the cliff's edge. In the end, he walked away with scratched knees. His bike hadn't been so lucky. He planned to go to some of the garage sales by himself tomorrow to see if he had enough allowance to get some other crappy bike. It wouldn't be as nice as the 16-speed mountain bike he had now, but it didn't have to be. He hoped to find a granny rider or a banana special he could tool around with, maybe salvage some of the parts from. It wouldn't be the first time he had done it, and their second garage had started to look like a bicycle graveyard. Oh, it had a flat tire before school this morning, so I just walked. He rushed through the lie as he stepped onto the uneven asphalt of the road. The gravel crunched beneath his sneakers as he jogged the short distance to the streetlight at the end of the block. When he heard the screen door ease shut behind him, he slowed to a walk, happy he was no longer being watched. He knew she would be back inside, already changing the TV channel as she sat at her kitchen table. It was how she always was without him there. The TV would be on some game show or a lame country music station. Something no one under the ancient age of 50 would enjoy. At least she didn't force him to watch any of that boring crap. When school let out and he had to go to his grandma's so she could watch him until his mom got off work, he'd come in the door, drop his backpack, and quickly grab the remote. It was his time to watch what he wanted. He would sometimes come in through the back door and sneak up behind her. She never heard him, so he would give her a quick hug from behind. She would jump and give a shout every time. Then he would say sorry and grab the remote. After all, he had just given her a hug. He stood under the glow of the next streetlight. With the fall chill, night had started coming earlier and it was already near full dark. It wasn't chilly enough for him to wear a jacket, not that he would. He liked to avoid it until he was forced to, wearing shorts and t-shirts until it was a command from his overbearing mother. Wear this, wear that, don't be out too late riding your bike. If she found out he was going through the fool's woods tonight, she'd nag him about that too. He walked past the glow of the streetlight, keeping his eyes focused on the next one, the gravel crunching under his shoes. There were no sidewalks on this street, Normally, he would ride his bike down the side of the road, but he now let his feet follow where his tires would cruise. 
Mrs. Brady's house was up on the right side of the road. All the lights were on, the curtains were wide open. Outside, she had orange Halloween lights, which looked like Christmas lights someone had pooped on running along the edges. Halloween was only a couple weeks away, and she was one of those town nuts who loved to overdo it. However, her version wasn't haunted or creepy. She seemed to think Halloween was like Christmas, with lights and inflatables of smiling skeletons. What fun was that? It was too childish. Come on. These weren't any kind of decorations for Halloween. Where was the scary? From light, it seemed like he went to completely pitch black as none of the houses on the next block were lit up. He knew people lived in the first house, but only because he would sometimes see cars parked in the driveway. Bobby didn't know them, but whoever lived there never really cared to socialize anyway. The street light gave off the only light on the block until he reached the alley and Tina Limquist's house, which was right along Main Street. Tina was annoying, and Bobby would often pick on her at school. He found it hard not to, as she was such a snot. One grade behind him, she still found ways to tattle. It seemed getting him in trouble was her personal mission. When he pushed her down at school, she always ran to Mrs. Sanchez. Then he would have to sit out another recess, writing those stupid sentences up on the blackboard until the underside of his hand hurt. Once school was over, Tina waited to see if he would go into the fool's woods. Then she would call his mom or grandmother and get him in trouble again. What was it with little girls knowing his mom and calling her? There were others who gave little reports to his mom, but Tina was the worst. At least he knew she didn't watch for him at night. She didn't know of all his night trips through the woods. Tina was afraid of the dark. Oh, boo-hoo, little girl afraid of the dark, which meant she wouldn't be out or even looking out her window. Little girls were always afraid of monsters. Besides, unless he was under the streetlight, she wouldn't even be able to tell it was him. Bobby made it past her house and to Main Street, which actually had a sidewalk. When he had his bike, he would fly down it, not caring if the cops caught him. He'd been stopped a few times, the cops telling him it was illegal, threatening to give him a fine. He still rode his bike on the sidewalk, not caring if they liked it or not. He felt safer there than on the street. People who walked, well, they needed to get out of his way. He was the bike rider, the midnight flyer, and on his bike, he was the king. Everyone should know to get out of his way or get run over. But he had no bike tonight, so he was forced to be one of the walkers. Yuck, and he wasn't happy about it. He wasn't going to go along the street, though. His goal was to cross it and go into the open grass area, then into the woods. His grandma would call him a fool. She always warned him of all the hobos in the woods at night, telling him they like to steal little kids and run off with them. Like a hobo's really going to grab me. Even if he didn't have his bike, he could still run pretty fast. And when had he ever seen a hobo in standard? It's standard. There are no big towns nearby, nothing close that would be considered a city. He had only ever seen one creepy guy. Bobby guessed he could have been considered a hobo. He had heard he was homeless and lived in the alley behind Main Street. Everyone knew he didn't have a regular job, doing odd jobs and stuff like that. 
Sure, he could be in the coal dump, but everyone said he slept in the alley. Why would he leave back there to stay in the woods? Besides, if anything happened to Bobby, that guy would be the first one questioned. He didn't know if it would be like in those cop shows where they put him in a room and sat him down waiting it out, maybe even beating the guy up for a confession. If it were, he kind of wished he could be there to watch it. That would be so cool. <sighs> Just where did they question their perps anyway? Bobby wondered. He'd seen the inside of the little police headquarters in town where he had to go up there when Mikey had disappeared. He saw the little office all the kids called the cop shop. It was so small, barely having room for a desk and a file cabinet. Where did the cops take the people they needed to question? Did they have some other jail hidden somewhere? He walked across the street, not hurrying because there were no cars. While it was still relatively early, it was a school night. It seemed like most kids just didn't stay out as late anymore. Their loss. They should be out enjoying this. Who cared about what the adults said? They should be out running through the alleys and having fun. Maybe it was just a fluke that most people wanted to spend the night at home, but it had been like this all week. Where were his friends? Why weren't they playing tag in the coal dump when it was dark and harder to find each other? He made his way across the street, turning to look at downtown two blocks away. Sure enough, it was pretty much what he would have expected. There were three cars parked in front of Doc's sweet shop, four or five older kids sitting on the steps. It was too far away to know who it was, but he could make a guess. It would be the normal ones, Springer being one of them. Springer, the one he was really trying to avoid. The rest of them weren't that bad, but there was just something about Springer that dug deep into Bobby's chest and gripped his heart. It had been a long-standing feeling that traced back to even before Springer began picking on him. Bobby didn't know why, but the kid had it out for him. When they were in the same school, Springer would push him into lockers. He once chased him down and slammed Bobby into a fence just because he had looked at him. Springer would snicker and make up cruel nicknames for Bobby whenever he was near. Bobby would much rather face whatever was in the fool's woods than go uptown. There was no way he wanted to face Springer, not with all his friends standing around. Instead, Bobby rushed down the gravel maintenance vehicle entry until he came to the edge of the path and the yellow bar blocking it. From there, he could see the small path running along the south edge of the large mound. He didn't know why his mom called it the coal dump or the surrounding woods the fool's woods. Both seemed like strange names but especially the coal dump because the rock mountain was covered in small, thin, red rocks which looked nothing like the coal he had seen. It was just another one of those weird things he didn't think he would ever understand. And why call it the Fool's Woods? At least the whole town called it the coal dump. As far as Bobby knew, only his grandma and his mom had a name for the wooded area around it. He had called it that to Emily once, and she just looked at him funny. He stood at the barrier. Of course, no one ever let the bar stop them. Walkers just stepped over it, and those who rode their bikes just went around. There was a well-worn path around the side where bike tires had long since stripped the grass. It was a good symbol for how everyone felt about the coal dump. 
the adults said not to go there, but everyone did and no one cared. He let his knees rest against the bar as he looked down the long path. A cool breeze rustled the remaining leaves in the trees. He closed his eyes and listened as the night talked to him. The wind pushed against him as if telling him to turn back around. Bobby chuckled. His overactive imagination often talked to him. Whether riding his bike or running, he felt like people were in the trees watching. Sometimes they were spies and he was a secret agent making his daring escape. Other times they were ghosts. He was always much more afraid of the ghosts because they would scream at him as he rode by, their howls piercing the night, crying out that they knew what he had done. Tonight was different. He really felt like he was being watched, and not just because of his imagination. The night had an edge to it. He knew Tina wasn't watching him, but it still felt like she were. He knew the older kids weren't anywhere near him, but it felt like they were right there, breathing down his neck. He wasn't alone. Something was watching him. Even in the open, he felt like there was something just out of sight, hiding in the darkness. Come on, don't be a dork. Bobby laughed and put his foot up on the bar. The muscles in his leg flexed as he pushed himself up and then it was off to the race. He could sometimes see a little light from the streetlight just past where the path twisted, but not tonight. He landed hard on the other side of the bar and took off running. The night came to life around him. The wind picked up, hammering into him, as if warning Bobby he was running into danger. It howled around him, screaming, piercing. He tried not to focus on it because it was hard enough to see where he was going. The moon was bright overhead, but as he went deeper, more and more trees took away the light. He knew the path well, but he was usually riding his bike. It all felt different when he ran. His feet didn't land right because of the ruts. There were times he slipped or snagged a foot on a root. Shadows moved, twisting and turning around him. Their dance slithered amongst the light. When it seemed like Bobby could see where he stepped, the light changed and his foot fell into darkness, making him trip on the uneven rocky ground. Taking a breath got harder, the air around him growing thick. He hadn't noticed it at first. He thought it was because of his running, but now it felt like syrup as he fought to breathe. His head grew fuzzy, the world around him turning gray. No, it wasn't the world going gray. It was his head. It was heavy, like he had to struggle to think. He couldn't remember where he was going. His shoes felt like weights slowing him down. The roots he had to step over seemed to have grown higher, making him fight to get over them. He finally misjudged. Before he knew what was happening, he fell. The ground came up quickly. His arms plunged into the thorn bushes running along the edge of the path, cutting his skin. His knees hit hard, the sharp pain making him turn his body as he skidded along the red shale rock. He had fallen off his bike enough times to know how it felt when skin got scraped away. Somewhere in his mind, he heard his mother yelling at him about why his long-sleeved shirt was in his backpack. Home. He wasn't that far. Being so close was somehow important. 
His body was sore, his chest feeling like a hammer had slammed into it. He reached out to push himself up, his palms burning, his knees screaming as he knelt. Glancing up, he could see the streetlight at the end of the path. He was almost there, almost out of there and away from… something. There's something in here. Bobby could feel it. It wasn't his imagination. There was something hiding in the shadows, reaching out for him. When he had fallen, the pain pushed back some of the fog and he could breathe again. He knew there was a presence watching him. He couldn't believe it. His grandmother was right. There was something in the woods, and it was coming after him. He had to get out of there. He had to run and go and get the hell away before it got him. He could see the shadows dancing again, circling him. A chill came over him, but he couldn't shiver. His body wasn't his to control anymore. Bobby's mind started to spasm. He couldn't escape the cold or shake it away as it overtook him. The fog came back, the weight on his chest getting heavier. It felt like waves slammed over him, pulling him deeper into exhaustion. Bobby knew he had to get out of there before whatever it was completely took him. There had to be a way for him to break free. He'd been on that path a thousand times. It was his home away from home. When he'd ride his bike through there, he'd hit speeds where it felt like he was outrunning the devil. Well, the devil was now overtaking him. He had to get away. How do you beat the devil? He wasn't the most religious. Not after him. His parents weren't churchgoers. His grandma went a few times a year, usually when he would go with. What did the pastor always said? Please, there has to be some prayer. There had to be something he could do or say, something that would get him out of there. Bobby needed to remember, but thinking was just so hard at the moment. The harder he tried, the thicker the fog grew. From somewhere, the words came to him. A ray of light shone through the clouds as the words formed. He recognized the bedtime prayer. As he visualized it in his head, his mouth formed the words. Now I lay me down to sleep, he gasped. The words tried to choke him, but with a watery cry, he forced them out. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I don't want to die. God, don't let me die. He forced in more air the weight on his chest lightening. The next few words came out in a rush. Pray the Lord my soul to take. The fog receded as a shiver rocked through him. Bobby could move again. Before it even registered, he jumped up and ran. His feet pounded on the ground, pushing him faster. Go, 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 get faster! As the devil was back there and it wanted him. If he stopped again, he didn't think he'd get another chance. He had to win. He had to get to the light. The bar at the end of the path got closer. Bobby saw the yellow paint, which caught the light of the streetlight. He had to reach it. He'd be safe then. His legs pumped harder. New pain coursed through him, but he fought to keep himself running. Run faster! The fog was there, but he felt like he was running through it. It seemed like the faster he ran, the more it drifted behind him. It lifted more and more out of his mind. I just have to run fast enough! Then he was there. Holding his breath, he leapt high over the bar, his heart pounding. It would have been easier for him to just run around, but he was sure that whatever was behind him would have caught him if he did. 
He had never cleared it before, but he needed to now. If he tripped, if he were to get caught on it, he would fall just short of the glow of the streetlight and it would get him. Bobby landed with a whoosh of air. He swore he heard the night around him come alive with cheering. Crowds roared and applauded. He reacted by standing, raising his arms and jumping around, doing an end zone dance as he worked his way into the round circle of light. And the crowd goes wild! Bobby cheered, his hands held high. He jumped up and down a few times before the burning in his lungs forced him to bend over, coughing as he fought to take in deep breaths. He didn't care. He had made it to the light. He was safe. If he stood up and looked, he would see his house just across the empty lot. And the crowd goes wild, he said again, looking at the asphalt of the road. He had won. He stood and looked over to where his house was. It wasn't there. Nothing was there. All he could see was black. He turned to look in the direction he had just come from. Nothing. Just blackness. No... No, no, no! Bobby cried out, spinning around. As fast as he turned, he could only see glimpses of the world around him, the darkness cutting him off. Then it drew closer, the circle of light shrinking around him. Above him, the dark moved across the light, Bobby's world disappearing. If anyone had come down the street, they would have seen what looked like a circle of nothing, not much larger than a ten-year-old child. If a person was really close, they could even hear the muffled cries, screams of a child calling for help. Then the ball of blackness shrank in upon itself, until the glow from the streetlight above again illuminated the area. Bobby was gone. Thanks for joining me for this archive episode of Weird Darkness. Do you have a dark tale to tell? You can share your story at WeirdDarkness.com and I might use it in a future episode. And if you like the show, please share a link to this episode on all of your social media, tell your friends about the show, and please leave a rating and review. I might read your review here in the podcast. If you'd like to support the show, you can become a patron. Patrons get commercial-free versions of Weird Darkness and early access a month early to the Weird But True video series. Plus, patrons get exclusive content such as chapters of horror and paranormal books that I'm narrating into audiobooks as I record them. Learn more about becoming a patron at WeirdDarkness.com. Also on the site, you can get the free mobile app, follow me on social media, join the Weirdos online community, see where I'm going to be on location in the future, and on the page labeled Weird Web, you'll get stories I didn't use in the podcast, fan art, pictures that weirdos like you send in to me, a weekly zombie comic strip, that and a whole lot more at WeirdDarkness.com. I'm your creator and host, Darren Marlar. Again, thanks for joining me in this archive episode of Weird Darkness. <laughs>